I'm Chris Turner, and this is the Empowered Parent Podcast. Greetings, and welcome to another episode of the Empowered Parent Podcast. Joining me, as always, are Ryan and Kayla North. Hi, guys. Hey, Chris. Christopher. So as it turns out, our episode Trauma and the Brain from season four of the podcast is our most downloaded episode ever. And I thought it would be good for us to maybe revisit the workings of the brain and how that pertains to us dealing with our kids from hard places. Yes. Sounds good. Their brains are out of control. (laughs) Most of the time, right? Yes. As are ours a lot of times, too. Right. right. It's real easy for uh, both parent and child to get dysregulated. Yeah. But we don't have as much of an excuse, I think, as they do. <laughs> right. So the uh, one of the things that always jumped out at me that we learned from reading The Whole Brain Child was that uh, the human brain's not fully developed until you're in your mid-20s. Yeah. And the first time I read that, I, I shared that information with my wife. Whom, it wasn't a surprise to her. Whom I married at age of 21. And she was not amused when I informed her that we were not <laughs> in our right minds when we tied the knot. I was going to say, it wasn't a surprise to her, though, that your brain wasn't fully formed, <laughs> right. right? I mean, when she looked easy, back at this. Easy, What? Your brain was fully formed when we got married. Oh, so because I made yeah, such a good decision by proposing. Right. I see what you, you did there. You made such a good decision. He was 25 when we got married. I'm sure it was fully I was 27 formed. when we got married. Thank you for remembering, dear. <laughs> Um, Okay, I'm going to let you do the math on that, and then later in this episode, you'll come back and explain how I wasn't 25 on our wedding day. Not doing the math. Okay. You were more than 25 then. (laughs) Which, which to your point, meant that I was in my right mind when I said that. There you go. Totally in your right mind. Now, me, on the other hand, I was a little younger, so... uh, Whatever. No No take backsies. (laughs) No take backsies. That's true. But, you know, speaking of the right mind. <laughs> Sorry, like a little segue. derailed there. You're talking about the right side of the brain? Well, I was talking about like the upstairs and downstairs, right? Yeah, because that's yeah. the parts that really affect our uh, helping our kids stay regulated. Yeah, yeah. so b- before we go up and down, um, you want to go right stairs left? from the brain, I uh, just want to say something about that in that, you know, most people have encountered left brain, right brain that can explain the functions of, of the left brain and the right brain. That's pretty um, common, like conversation right oh you're really a right brain person Uh or you're a left brain person and everybody kind of understands that pretty but less common is the the conversation about the upstairs and the downstairs brain which is so so critical right so um the the only reason i wanted to bring the left brain and right brain into it is um number one um when you go upstairs and downstairs that that downstairs part of your brain which of course um any actual neuroscientists, and I have no idea why an actual neuroscientist would listen to our podcast, but if there are actual <laughs> neuroscientists... Hey, they could be adoptive and foster that's parents. That's true, too. but if there are actual neuroscientists out there, um, you know, like Tina Bryson, who is the co-author of the... <laughs> if, if Tina's listening, um, we, we get that we are just super, super oversimplifying a super, super, super complicated thing, the human brain, right? In terms of the upstairs and the downstairs brain. Um, and then the downstairs brain, of course, being that, that survival part of your brain, uh, which is where you react from, and then the emotional part of your brain uh, where you, um, I'm sorry, survival part of your brain where your reflex uh, reaction comes from, and then the emotional part of your brain where you actually have emotional responses to things. And so 
um, that right side of your brain does have a little bit more sway over your downstairs brain than the left side of your brain does, yeah. um, which explains a lot, right? So, I mean, we could do the next 10 episodes on the brain. Right. It's so fascinating, though, just how it all works yeah. together. But I really like, in The Whole Brain Child, I like the the analogy of it being like a house, right? Yeah. And that that upstairs and downstairs of a house, like your basic things that are found on the ground floor of your house are like your kitchen and your bath. You know, there's usually bathroom and those kinds of things that are like basic necessities right. for survival are found there. And that's the downstairs part of your brain. And then you have to have a staircase that leads to the upstairs part. And because I mean, if you had an upstairs and a downstairs of your house, but no staircase to get between the two of them, then they don't do any good in isolation. Right. It, I mean, it, it complicates just, things. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Ropes, fire poles. Exactly. I mean, oh my gosh. You just made the house sound awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Little boy's dream. We have no stairs. Yes. (laughs) But I mean, you've got to have that stairs, but it's got to be functioning. Well, it's like the other day we did like a little example with the kids and Ryan was like, oh, okay, we got to, we got to talk about this upstairs, downstairs. Yeah. Can we do, can we do, okay. So, so I got home from work and, um, and so as you come into the entryway of our home, um, there's a big basket where everybody throws their shoes off when they come into the house. And so um, I said, kids, I need to do me a favor. I need you to take all of the shoes and just throw them all over the stairs and just trash the stairs. Well, um, but first... Well, we, before we... Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I jumped first again. you did something else. So I said, Kayla, will you do me a favor? And Kayla said, sure. Because uh, she's generally a good sport on my guinea pig um, lab experiments. And so uh, I said, will you run um, our stairs, um, go up halfway, there's a little landing, and then turn 90 degrees to the right and go the rest of the way. And so, so you run from the bottom of the, from stairs to the landing. And so she runs up the stairs. I said, okay, come back down. So was that easy? Yes. So I said, kids, trash the stairs with all the shoes. And they just throw them everywhere. I said, Kayla, run up the stairs. Couldn't do it as fast. Had to tread more lightly. It, it took hurt. A it hurt. <laughs> it was a little painful. It took more time. It hurt. She had to navigate it for her own safety. And she said, why did you make me do that? I said, because... Um, the two times you went up and down the stairs, the first time was a neurotypically developed brain, the other time was a traumatized brain. That staircase between your emotional responses and your um, fear responses, those, the, to get from there to the, the reasoning part of your mind is a lot more difficult when the, when the staircase is cluttered with trauma. Yep. And so, um, you know, our church, our pastor's a prop preacher, and I find myself becoming more and more of a, of a prop preacher in a lot of ways. With, with I'm like, how are we going to take a staircase on our next speaking? <laughs> um, but, but, you know, yours, yours kind of, um, I mean, the point of that being just that it's, it's really hard to move somebody from that place, right? And, and we talk about if, if you're in a constant state of fear, you're living there all of the time. Yep. So um, about hmm, six or seven years ago, um, Kayla's parents uh, invited us to go with them to New Mexico. And so they, um, Kayla's dad's side of the family, they have a cabin outside of Rio Doso. And um, one night, and so after we put the kids to bed, because the weather was just so spectacular there in July, uh, in the hills outside of the little town, and... Um, so every night after we put the kids to bed, uh, Kayla and I sit and play cards or a board game or something with her parents on the on the on the front porch for a little while. And so um, Kayla was still trying to get somebody to settle, and one of our daughters wouldn't settle. And so um, you know, 
when I'm on vacation, I tend to check my email in the nights, not instead of instead of constantly. So I was sitting on on the on the porch checking my email, and my mother-in-law was holding one of the kids, and uh, Kayla was inside with some of the kids, and I don't know where your dad was, but he's like bare grills. He was probably like you know climbing up a tree backwards just for giggles or something. <laughs> Tapping him for sap. Yeah, yeah her, her dad's a real out, outdoorsy kind of guy. Outdoors, so, yeah. so I didn't I didn't remember where he was, but um, and so I was just you know really wasn't paying much attention. My mother-in-law was just sitting holding the baby, trying to get the kid trying to get her to sleep. And I check my email, and all of a sudden I hear Kayla's mom say, Ryan, psst, psst. I'm like, what? And she goes, and, and so the porch was, a, a, it, you know, it was, is the full length of the front of this cabin. And we were on the side that's on the opposite end from the door to, into the kitchen. And she goes, there's a bear. <laughs> <laughs> and I look up over from my laptop screen and standing maybe 20 feet away from me is a mama bear with her cub, two cubs. And, and it was like a boy named Sumu moment. Like I looked at her and my blood ran cold. You know, I, I, I was frozen. Yep. Frozen. I didn't make a noise. I didn't move. I just looked at the bear, looked at Kayla's mother and I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, I, I literally don't know what to do. And the bear kind of stood up on its hind legs and uh, looked into the, through the window and then went down on all fours and, and, the three little, and the three bears walked away. And so we got up and went inside the cabin. And so um, I remember how terrifying that was being 20 f- feet from something that could eat me. Okay? Um, but that happened once. Imagine if a child's living in a place where they're that scared constantly. Yeah. Yep. Like we talk about, you know, climbing the staircase from the from the primitive part of their brain, from the emotional part of their brain, up to the reason part of their brain, and and it might be that house that doesn't have a staircase yet. Mm. I mean, you might have to actually construct the staircase because they live in that constant state of fear, and they're always ready to 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 fight, to run. The smallest things trigger them all, trigger them, and so it is our responsibility as the adults is to help them climb that staircase. You know, another reason I like the house analogy and the staircase is that it's always harder to go upstairs than it is to come downstairs, right? Yeah. Mm. Like coming downstairs is super easy. You can usually yeah, go downstairs true. always faster than you can go upstairs, even if, you know, there aren't shoes thrown all over the place. Right, right. And so I think that it's really easy for our kids to go to that downstairs brain, like yeah. super That's quick. But Whereas it takes a lot more work to, to get, get up to, to upstairs. that upstairs brain. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if you sure. walk up the stairs enough, you might actually, um, you know, like you could accelerate your heart rate, your breathing might change because it actually takes a lot more effort. That's good. Yeah. I never thought about that before. Um, so, you know, let's talk about some kind of practical ways that you can engage, um, you know, the upstairs brain. Perhaps, you know what, before we do that, what might be a good, a good thing to do is talk about the, the different um, different functions of brain. So we talked about the downstairs brain being for the emotions and survival part of your brain. We didn't really right. talk about much about what the upstairs does, right? That's where planning happens. That's where good decisions happen. That's where empathy lives. Right, right. which is what we were trying to build. Yeah, well, which is your, your ability. I'm sorry, just to read the, run this list quickly. I wrote one down. Um, that's where can, you control your emotions and your body. That's where self-awareness lives. Empathy, again, because uh, it's so important. Morality. Mm. Um, Cost-benefit analysis, risk assessment. All of those things are functions of your upstairs mind. And so, um, you know, 
when, when people say to us, well, I don't think my child cares that they're ruining our home. Our response is it's not that they don't care. It's that they can't. Right. That part of their brain's not functioning yet. Well, I'm sorry. You were saying yeah, that. no, that's, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I hear from parents is they'll say, my kid has no empathy. Like they don't see how what they've done impacts others. They're, they don't. Um, they don't show any remorse when they do something, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's frustrating, especially if you have neurotypical kids who their upstairs brain is coming online the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And they're they're seeing those things and they're beginning to learn because parents begin to go, oh my gosh, I have a sociopath. Mm-hmm. Like my kid does not care. He laughs mm-hmm. when things go wrong and I'm, I'm like, no, he's, he's anxious. Mm -hmm. He's really anxious. And that's why he laughs. That's why he smiles when he gets in trouble. It's not because he's a sociopath who has no empathy and no, you know, no ability to care about other people. It's just that that upstairs brain is taking longer to come online and that's where all that lives. Right. And so it makes such a difference when you begin to understand that. And Mm. when you see, okay, okay, I've got some time. I'm not, you know, my eight-year-old is not doomed to be, you know, never care for anybody or have any sense of compassion or empathy. It's just that it's taking a little longer to come online than it is for all the kids. Yeah, Yeah, it's absolutely true, all of that. Yeah, there was a whole episode of Modern Family about that. (laughs) I haven't watched that show. Cam and Mitchell were worried that their adopted daughter, Lily, was not showing empathy. Of course, you know, it's a comedy. So right. the, there are lots of humorous uh, incidents around that concern right. that they realized at the end, of course, they had no reason to be concerned at all that yeah. they had done a good job of building empathy in her. But uh, yeah, it, that's that's a humorous look at a real concern for it a is. lot of our parents. Well, I think, it's a, I think a lot of parents like freak out about that, especially if they have raised biological kids who were developing that empathy earlier yeah. at an earlier age and they more think naturally. That, yeah, yeah. And they think something is really wrong. And I'm, I'm like, no, I mean, I see glimpses of empathy in some of my kids, but it's not the norm in some of my kids, you yeah. know I mean? Whereas there are some kids in our house who are very empathetic, very nurturing, very um, aware of how things make other people feel, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, just very aware of that at a much younger age. And then there are other kids who it seems, it's almost seems to be like short circuit, right? Like Mm. there's just like this little glimpse of when it happens and you're like, oh, 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 no, it's gone. Mm. And you're like, oh, they're, they can be empathetic. So close. But they're not. No. And it, it does, doesn't seem to have any rhyme or reason, you know? I mean, it doesn't, or they can be empathetic towards one kid, but not towards another kid. Or they can be empathetic towards adults, but not towards siblings. Mm. Or, and so it doesn't seem to have any rhyme or reason to it. Um, it's like bad cell coverage. It is, yeah. I mean, like sometimes you can get, find, find something on the exactly. internet. Sometimes you can make a good call and sometimes it just doesn't go through. Yeah. yeah. So, I I mean, I I feel like that must be a result of this upstairs brain and that that connection between the upstairs and the downstairs brain. The staircase is cluttered. It is. It's a cluttered staircase, and they're struggling to get to that upstairs brain, but I I see glimpses of it. Every Mm. so often, they get there, 
So. Well, you know, it, it's interesting when you talk about how it's inconsistent because it's like if you have a, a bad electrical connection, right? Yeah. And so we talk about how the brain gets wired. But yep. I think in terms of treatment of, of mental illness or anything brain-related, in the last 100 years, we've gone completely away from the idea that the brain is both electrical and chemical and have only treated it as if it is chemical, right? Yeah. We, don't, we don't do anything... Not we don't do anything, but it is most typical to medicate anything. Like, right? I mean, you, we need. We're going to have an episode um, talking about that that book you just read. Um, finally focused. Finally focused. Yeah. Yeah, and talking a lot about ADD and ADHD and this collection of symptoms that we now try to medicate, but really never try to address the underlying cause. And then, I mean, you can read Born for Love, um, The Body Keeps the Score. All these books talk about uh, talk speak out against us medicating. Um, medicating neuro things constantly and never actually paying any attention to the fact that the brain is an electric um, has you know electrons and, and it's ele- and it's electrical as well as as chemical um, and that's I think part of that wiring thing and why it's inconsistent because the wiring's bad right yeah the wiring's bad and um, you know it may surprise it may surprise people to learn that uh, traumatized children um, lie more. And we go, well, they're trying to deceive us. No uh, empathy where the part of your brain that, that decides and cares about how my actions impact you, not working. Mm-hmm. So speaking the truth to you and telling you a lie is literally uh, 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 two, two equal decisions with the same amount of value to a child who's the empathy center of their brains. Are or telling okay. a lie about someone else that gets them in it, trouble. Yeah, it, like it, it doesn't really... Yeah. Well, like you lie to get your sibling in trouble. We've been caught in this trap before. Yes. And I'm like, no, it, it was like the decision to lie to get a sibling in trouble was about as complex a decision for the child as do you want apple juice or orange juice? Mm. Right, and then also uh, along up there is the, the, the where you make good moral judgments and decisions. Well, when that part's compromised too, so empathy is not online, moral and good decision making is not online, and then all of a sudden we just want to fight the battle about the child, the child's lying. Yeah. Well, that's a really hard battle to fight when the child's brain literally cannot care whether they're telling the truth or not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm just replaying a couple of interactions we had with one of our kids over the weekend as I hear myself say those things. And, and our response to it was we responded as if, as if he was able to, had the cognitive abilities to, to discern between those things. And, and he doesn't. But we don't see the children for who they are. We don't see them as wounded people who need help. We see them as somebody who's lying to me. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the whole, the, the brain is... Is so fascinating, and, and and I mean, it's scientific research, right? And then maybe Christian, you know, religious people would say, "Well, why are you getting all science?" Well, God made the brain, and the research helps me understand the brain, so I'm good with it. Yeah, yeah. I'm good with it uh, because if I don't understand the brain, the thing that controls the entire organism, it controls it, it sustains it, it keeps it, it protects it, it does all of these wonderful things. If I don't understand that thing. The rest of it doesn't really matter because I'm not. I'm gonna keep bumping my head up against the wall if I don't understand how the central computer works. Right. Yeah. Well, and it it helps us set proper expectations if we understand. Mm, that's good. Where yeah. our kids are, right? I mean, if we if we know that our kids have a cluttered staircase 
and that they're having to take a little extra time to get there and they don't always make it all the way up to the upstairs brain. And sometimes they go back down to the downstairs brain after they've made it to the upstairs brain, right? If we have that in mind, if we keep that in mind, then it helps us set better expectations for what our kids are capable of doing. Um, Because I think so often, once they've gotten to that upstairs brain once, we're like, we'll see, they can do it. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, we they, expect them to do it all the time. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's not quite that easy. It's not quite that simple. We have to figure out how to help them um, integrate those two so that they can use that upstairs brain when they're in that moment of chaos. Yeah. You know, like their sibling has just taken their favorite toy and broken it and they really want to punch them in the face Yeah, um, where they can make the decision not to punch them in the face because that's, you know, not a good decision, right? We have yeah. to help them get to that place because we're not going to be with them every second of every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the beginning when we're first bringing our kids home and even for years after that, sometimes we have to stay close to them and help them, get that upstairs brain, you know, engaged, right? Well, so, it's, like, it's like building a muscle. <clears throat> yes. Like, you know, my friend Kristen started uh, weightlifting last year as a means of improving her health. And, yeah. you know, she couldn't lift 150 the first time she went in there. Mm. Or maybe she could, but she would only do it like the one time, right? right? right. She had to work her way up to it. Yeah. She had to start with small, smaller amounts and, and work her way up to it. It's the same thing with helping build that staircase and keeping it clear for our kids. It's going right. to take a little bit at a time. Yeah. So um, while we're talking upstairs, downstairs here, I just want to um, share one more thing and maybe it's a little bit of practical advice. And then, you know, looks like we might be close to wrapping up time or whatever. But um, years ago, um, our youngest was, we were out at Kayla's grandparents' house uh, for Thanksgiving. And our youngest um, ran, was, ran through the house, and as everybody who, who's listening knows that the reason we don't want the children to run through the house is because we want them to hurt themselves. Um, and so she kind of stumbles and runs like face first into a counter and starts crying. And so my mother-in-law is closest to her, well, my mother-in-law, big player in tonight's episode, uh, is closest to her, and so Karen picks her up, and um, and and does and does what all grandmas do. She she bounces her, she sways, and she's patting her on the back. She's doing all of the three motions: the bouncing, the swaying, and the patting on the back. And says, "There, there, everything's going to be okay." Well, a um, couple of things about that. The first thing, um, the first time I ever heard Karen Purvis speak, she said, um, "There's nothing special about what we do. We just remember the way Grandma treated us, and we're trying to do that." And so I, I, I thought about. I, when I tell the story, I always think about my mother-in-law bouncing, swaying, patting, and shushing, and thinking, so she's doing, uh, she's doing the vestibular input, and she's doing the, the, the tactile <laughs> input, um, which just comes naturally to grandmas, right? She's, and I don't think she, would, she could even explain, or as most grandmas couldn't explain, why that's effective. They just know that's how you comfort a crying child. Right. Problem with that is the kid's head still hurts, <laughs> and so, and so I say, hey, can I, let me have a try. And so I ask her. She wasn't calming down. She so. wasn't right. I mean, because yeah, her head struggling. still hurt. And so I said, um, what happened? And she said, between her tears, barely, barely could make out what she was saying. She said, I hit my head. And uh, I said, where did you hit your head? 
and then slightly calmer, she said, over there on the counter. And I said, well, why were you running in the house? And she said, uh, my brother was chasing me. And, um, and so we had kind of stepped her down in just three questions. And so now, please don't send us emails, <laughs> tweets, or posts on Facebook that you tried, you asked your child three questions and they didn't calm down because it's not going to happen every time like that. But the truth of the matter is, uh, Rudyard Kipling, the guy who wrote the Jungle Book, said that who, what, where, when, how, and why were my six friends who taught me everything I know. And the reason that they taught him everything you know is because the question starts with one of those six words cannot be answered with a yes or a no. Yeah. It requires explanation. It requires you to engage Upstairs, the part of your mind where language lives. Yep. Right? Language is an advanced function of the human mind. And so we, we, we do things that drive them drive them, that's the wrong way to say that, but point them yeah. to, the, to, hide, to the top of the staircase. We hold their hands, we take one step at a time, and if we ask these questions that require the child to engage their mind and it moves them from their emotions, right? that's why talk therapy is so helpful because we go back there and we get the stuff that we're, we're, refer, that we're repressing, mm -hmm. we talk about it, which allows us to start processing it. Right? Uh, I didn't know that I choked on an airplane when I was two years old, but when I did, I was able to talk about about it, you know, with, with my wife, with friends, with a therapist friend of mine, and, and I'm able to fly now without any, any issue because it was pulled from the recesses of my mind, it was controlling my body and my responses, mm -hmm. and moved it to the front of my mind where I can, could reason, talk about it, process, and move on. Move on is the wrong word. Can you tell it's late at night <laughs> recording? I keep saying, that's the wrong word. Um, but you know what I mean though, right? Right. And so that's why I think it's so valuable. And, and, and if, if we can just stay calm, um, you know, I saw something recently said when our children are struggling, we, don't, we, we mustn't join them in the chaos. We must invite them to our calm. I, if either of you know who said that, please attribute it to them. I don't remember. Don't remember either. Uh, but it's a really great quote. Yeah. And that's our responsibility. And one of the ways we invite them to our calm is to help them climb the stairs. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's, key is in those moments if we set our proper expectations because we recognize where our kids are coming from mm -hmm. we recognize that it's not as easy to access that upstairs brain first of all it's not developed in any kid right i mean it's right. not till mid-20s and secondly our kids have a harder time because of the trauma because of their history they have that much harder of a time accessing that upstairs brain so when we're able to um set our expectations deal with them in a calm in a calm way and help them to calm down right i mean not overreacting but empathizing with their distress right and then asking them those questions that get them to access their upstairs brain about what happened and you know not not the why did you do that question because they won't be able to tell you or anything like that but just asking those those questions that access that upstairs part of their brain. I mean, it's, it's a, it seems, it seems almost too simple, but yeah. we've seen it work so many yep. times that I really know that it does help. If I'm able to just empathize with my child who, you know, fell down and is screaming like someone just broke, you know, like chopped their arm off yeah. because they fell down and it wasn't anything huge. And I say, Oh baby, do you need an ice pack for that? No, you're you. That looks like it really hurt. Instead of going, well, I told you not to rollerblade through the kitchen. 
you know, I mean, that kind of thing, right? Well, it's a real example, you know, and it's like... <laughs> real example from this past weekend. From recently, yeah. Like, I really wanted to be like, I told you not to rollerblade in the house. That's why you don't, you know, I mean, we fell as we were going back out the door because we're not supposed to go over the threshold in rollerblades, right? That was what I wanted to say, yeah. right? But she was in this downstairs brain screaming for the whole neighborhood to hear Mm -hmm. and all it took was me saying oh baby that looks like it really hurt where did you get hurt right here can you show me um what happened well i just tripped over and all of a sudden that upstairs brain was engaged and she was able to explain to me what happened and then we got an ice pack and she said i don't really want one i want to keep skating and then she up she went and off she did and it was no big deal. But if I had just been like, well, I told you not to do that, I would have totally just kept her in that downstairs brain with her lid flipped and unable to reconnect. Yeah. I don't always do it like that. <laughs> but I did have that good moment. But at least time. you had a recent example you could talk about. This right. <laughs> I could have had recent examples in the negative as well. So, uh, um, though, But I that one at least is one of those where... I, it worked really well, and we when we do it well, when we're yeah. when we're calm and when we're really um, mindful, it does work. Yeah, it is helpful in engaging that upstairs brain. I, I do want to just add something to what you said um, is uh, about the word why. I think that in terms of helping your child climb that staircase, why is typically a pretty good servant in helping you get to the the, the root of things. Yeah, but I think it's probably one of the least helpful out of the out of those six. Yeah. Um, because why gets us into interrogation mode with the children. Um, but how, who, what, where, when, how. Yeah. What happened? I mean, yeah. Show me where it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. So. What uh, were you doing? You know, those kinds yeah. of things. And and again, be careful with you. You use the word how. That can, how on earth could you do that? <laughs> <laughs> not helpful, folks. That's not helpful. <laughs> yes. Unless you're doing it in... in a sense of glorious wonder. How on earth did you do that? <laughs> yes. Like of all the things that have been wrong in this house, this is spectacular. Right. <laughs> I mean, I just want to understand. <laughs> That's funny. Oh my goodness. Well, if you have a sense of wonder and need to know who, what, where, when, why, and how... <laughs> You could squeeze that into a 208 characters. Feel free to tweet it to us at one big happy home. Please tweet us. (laughs) We don't get it. We don't get much feedback on the Twitter. Yeah, it's probably probably our fault for not using it. (laughs) There is that, but probably we will answer if you you know do tweet at us. Yes, we do check it occasionally. (laughs) Um, Most folks require a little bit more room and. uh, Might prefer to email us. You can do that at info at one big happy home dot com. Uh, you can also hit us up on Facebook. We have a Facebook group just for our podcast listeners. Search for the Empowered Parent Podcast community, and it should pop right on up. If you're not already subscribed to us, and we hope that you are, you can do so in iTunes or the Google Play Store or Spotify. And you can even set up your uh, Amazon Echoes to play the latest episode, something my children occasionally try to do in our household. <laughs> Uh, Just search for the Empowered Parent Podcast and leave us a review in any of those locations. 
The Empowered Parent Podcast is committed to helping parents of foster and adopted kids through connecting, correcting, and empowering principles. Thanks for listening.